welcome to another edition of Movie Matchup The Pretension. I'm your host, Troy. With me this evening, of course, is the ever verbose and greatest cinemaphile on the internet, Brad Anderson. Brad, how are you this evening? I am doing wonderful, thank you, sir. I have my monocle all shined up and ready to go. Is is this a pretentious enough intro for you, sir? I was, it was very good, actually. I, Excellent, because I, I can't do that the whole time. So. <laughs> no, listen to it the whole time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that's that's about as James Liptony as I can get. That, that, it ends there, man. <laughs> How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing excellent. I feel a little weird because I guess we'll make a confession that we're kind of recording late this week because of uh, Gears of War 3. It's kind of consumed our life, so... Yes. Um, we had to put it on the back burner to, to record a show. Every night it came down to recording a show, it was always that uh, that text or question, hey, do you want to record tonight or play some Gears of War 3? And and obviously both of us chose wisely to play some <laughs> Gears of War 3. So it, it's been fun, man. That's a great it game. Ha- it has been fun. That's Yeah, it's 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 an awesome game. So, uh, so yeah, we have, to, we have to make a confession to start off with. Yeah, but next month we we really have to keep to the schedule because we got some surprises coming, and it being October and Scary Movie Month, we're uh, we'll talk about this towards the end of the show. But we got a lot of stuff lined up um, tonight, though. It is all about Chopsaki Cinema. Are you excited about tonight, Brad? I am. I I was actually uh, very thrilled on how I felt about one film in particular. So I I'm ready to speak about it. Well, um, get nice and fancy. You know, when when you talk about Asian cinema, and especially for the circle that we run around with, everybody, especially this year, has been sort of enamored with Korean cinema. Um, I have, too, because probably one of my favorite films um, that I've seen this year was uh, The Man from Nowhere. Have you you seen that one? Yes, yes. And that is on Netflix Instant in case someone has not seen it. Yeah, and I've, I've been really impressed with a lot of stuff that's been coming out of Korea. And, you know, let's face it, Hong Kong cinema really had its heyday. With the Shaw Brothers, and then sort of Jackie Chan brought it back in the in the spotlight uh, through the '80s and early '90s. Um, lately, it's it's kind of fallen off the map a little bit, and I don't know. It just it seems like more people are talking about well, Takashi Miki's Thirteen Assassins and Man from Nowhere. I saw The Devil, which is Korean. Um, Tony Jaa, you know, is is getting a lot of recognition for his Ong Bak movies, um, and. Now I hear he's coming back to making movies after, you know, he retired after Ong Bak 3, said he, he was going to become a, a Buddhist monk, but is, I believe, coming back to make a, a sequel to, I think it was called The Protector over here, but it's uh, Tom Yung-Goon over there. Oh, I remember The Protector. That had to do with elephants, wasn't it? And yes. You, like, yeah, Most yeah. of them do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I've... And so for us to talk um, specifically about two movies that come from sort of the Hong Kong uh, film market is sort of unusual in 2011. Um, I, I, am, I, am I off in left field on this assumption? or No, I, I'm a definite old school Shaw Brothers. Like that's my era of how I got into mostly all like foreign cinema comes from my knowledge of Shaw Brothers film. Um so coming back around like in 2011, and here we have two kind of offsprings of that is it's interesting because I I've kind of been out of it for a little bit, so I'm glad to kind of get back into it. I mean I've seen you know The Protector and uh, some other films, but I, I'm really interested to get back in and use your guidance to uh, show me the path of where I can get more films like these two. Sure. Well, and, you know, to be honest, most of the movies I've been watching lately that I've been really impressed with that come from Hong Kong have been from, like, directors like Johnny Toe uh, or even the Red Cliff series from uh, John Woo. So I'm kind of glad that we tackled two films that inherently are kung fu films. I mean, it is uh, you know, face-smashing kicks and, and just... <laughs> you know, old style drunken fist Kung Fu and, you know, just anything and everything from that old uh, era uh, done with a little bit more of a newer century flavor. So um, I was just waiting for like the Wu-Tang Clan to like bust out a rap. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're not, no, 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 we're not Americanizing these things. Yeah. Uh, But how about we take a quick 
break, Brad. And when we come back, let's go ahead and tackle the first of the two movies. Um, we'll start with True Legend from 2010. And after we talk about uh, that film, we'll head on over and talk about Teddy Chan's film, Bodyguards and Assassins from 2009. If you're enjoying this podcast, perhaps you'd be interested in GleeCast. You watch your tone, young lady. Hey, we're not forcing you to download the Internet's best, or at least most booze-filled podcast about Glee. You want to be me. Who doesn't, Sue? But we know we can't be. Instead, Erica and Emily. Uh, Emily and Erica. Who am I? I just don't know anymore. I'd love to stay in chat, but I got a satellite interview. Sorry, we get off topic a lot. The point is, listen to GleeCast following every new episode of Glee. Plus, our sporadic bonus content on some of the greatest bad cinema that incorporates it's musical theater or sweet dance moves. Going to ask you to smell your armpits. The right or the left? That's the smell of failure. Failure smells like dove. Mine has a pleasant lady speed stick scent. Kind of makes me think of candy canes. Your resentment is delicious. Visit gleecast.podomatic.com or search for us in the iTunes store. That's gleecast with a K, part of the palaver.com family. That's P-A-L-A-V-R.com. Boy, the only thing missing from this place is a couple dozen bodies limed and rotting in shallow graves under the floorboards. We're working on that. Welcome back to Movie Matchup The Pretension. We're going to go ahead and dive right into our Chop Saki week and talk about Yunwo Ping's True Legend. Um, Brad, what, what do you know about Yunwo Ping? Um, I honestly basically know him as a choreographer, um, action-wise, um, mainly through The Matrix, um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and obviously the Kill Bill movies are kind of where I know his name from. His films... Uh, not so much. I mean, I've seen Iron Monkey, but that's probably about it, to be honest. So but I basically know him as a choreographer. Okay. Um, you know, let's just run through a, a little bit of his filmography. He has a pretty extensive filmography, and he is um, very, very well respected within the Hong Kong film community. But he's done such things as The Original Drunken Master with Jackie Chan, Magnificent Butcher with Samuel Hung, uh, in the Line of Duty 4 with Donnie Yen, Tiger Cage 1 and 2, uh, Last Hero in China, which I believe is Jet Li, um, Iron Monkey, which he went back and uh, did another film with Donnie Yen, uh, Tai Chi Master, which I think most people, if if the, that's the original Hong Kong, a lot of people would have seen it over here as Twin Warriors, and uh, that was with uh, Jet Li and Michelle Yeoh. And Wing Chun, Red Wolf, uh, Tai Chi Chun, uh, also known as Tai Chi 2. And those films specifically he was a director on. And like you said, Brad, a lot of people know him as a choreographer. And he's done uh, choreography for movies like Fearless, Kung Fu Hustle, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Once Upon a Time in China 2, The Matrix, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. A little bit more recently, The Forbidden Kingdom with Jackie Chan and Jet Li. Uh, so, I mean, he's he has a just a fantastic filmography behind him, especially in the realm of action films. Um, let's just go ahead and dive into the, oh, I'm sorry, you were going to say, I was going to say, and it shows. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. It, it definitely shows. Well, um, true legend came out in 2010. It is obviously directed by Yen Wo Ping. It stars Vincent Zhao, Xiao Zun, Jay Chow, Michelle Yeoh, Andy On, David Carradine, and Gordon Liu. So I'll just give you a quick synopsis. True Legend is the epic story of how a renowned uh, Queen Dynasty general eventually becomes the legendary King of Beggars. Su Khan, played by Vincent Chow, res uh, his respectable life is obliterated when his vengeful brother, Huan, played by Andy On, returns from war armed with the deadly five venom fists. Weakened but not destroyed, Su Khan learns a never-before-seen form of martial arts. Armed with this new power, he returns home to honor his family through retribution by taking on his brother in a battle to become the ultimate warrior. So, uh, Brad, what are your initial thoughts about True Legend? Um, uh, this um, is probably one of the better throwbacks I've seen. So, like, we already mentioned it. When you said the Shaw Brothers, I was like, man, this is, like, what the Shaw Brothers would make if they made movies now. I mean, this is a 2011 Shaw Brothers film to me. Um, it's got everything that an old-school kung fu guy like myself would want and updated with basically 2011 graphics. Like, it's great. Uh, Gordon Lau's in it. I mean, if you're old-school like I am, 
Gordon Lau is like one of the people you have on uh, Mount uh, Mount Rushmore. So I mean, it's got pretty much everything. I, I got to say, um, I was I was really thrilled about this movie. I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did, but I I really liked it a lot. Yeah, I'm in agreement. This movie is a total blast. Um, Michelle Yeoh and uh, Gordon Liu and Jay Chow kind of have cameos within the film. And uh, I don't know how you felt, but this this movie starts out with an amazing sequence with um, basically Vincent Chow and um, and Andy Own going into this to this temple to basically do this rescue. And that fight sequence on the bridge and just really kicks off this film. And this movie has really Yun Wo Ping's touches all over it, and some amazing fight sequences um, through and through, and different styles too. Uh, you even get some drunken boxing towards the end of the film. Which yes, I, I mean what, I just love it. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the drunken uh, boxing, and seeing that kind of unfold, I, I, that's always been my favorite style. So like Drunken Master is always like you know one of those movies I look at, and it's it's always awesome when you can see somebody fighting the drunken style. It's you know it's really awesome. What what about okay? I, I gotta tell you, Andy On, who plays basically the bad guy for most of this film, here's a dude that goes off to to basically learn the five venom fists, and he sews into his flesh this armor that almost makes him invincible. And um, how, how does it go? He's been practicing Kung Fu to where he puts, you know, his hands and everything and all of these bowls that have these venom, venomous creatures like snakes, spiders, scorpions, all nine yards. And yeah. so he, when he hits somebody, he can basically poison them with his punches. I mean, I, I, I was so excited about this villain. I just haven't seen this kind of a not just sort of menacing villain, but fun might not be the right word, but it was fun. I just, I really liked watching Andy on in this part. Yeah. He kind of had a cool arc too. Like he started off like his, they're not really brother, like they're half brothers or step brothers or something like that. So automatically, you know that they're going to like end up fighting each other because, you know, if you're a step brother or a half brother, it ain't going to end up well for either of you. So I guess, um, was it, Sue wants to like go and live with his wife and child, and I guess the other guy gets jealous and learns this like just. And I gotta say, like the the effects they use for like when he transfers the venom into somebody else and is kind of going through his veins and all that. It's just like I don't know, man. It's just this is just a fun movie, and like the first ten to fifteen minutes, like that action scene. Like, I know we talked about uh, 13 Assassins last week and how great that was, but, man, I don't know. That was some of the best stuff I've seen in a long time. Oh, I agree. And, and you're right. The special effects, especially for this villain, how he sort of transferred that venom, it it doesn't come off cheesy. I mean, it actually looks good, which, you know, you look at you look at Hollywood. They've been playing with special effects for a really long time. And if you go back and look at Hong Kong movies like Storm Warriors or something like that, it seems, uh, or even the latest incarnation of Zoo, um, special effects can be shoddy sometimes. They don't, they don't really look as good. You know, something that was done in 2010 or 2009 almost looks like it would have been, I don't know, the equivalent of a 90s, you know, 1990s Hollywood special effect. Yeah. Um, but True Legend, you know, just seemed to get it right. And, um, man, what about the, the vistas and locations where these fight scenes happen. Um, because there's a part in the film where you don't know if uh, Vincent Zhao's, uh, basically Su Khan or uh, beggar, uh, the king of beggars, what he eventually becomes. Um, you don't know if he's going nuts because he keeps going off to this mountain and basically being trained by uh, Gordon Liu and Jay Chow. Uh, I, I just loved the look of this film, too. Yeah, oh yeah, and, and that the little sequence where he's the Wushu, like the god of Wushu or whatever, where he has to like fight, it's really cool. I, and I, I don't know, this always looks weird in movies, but like the jump that they do where they kind of hover in the air and kind of walk on air, right. like it always looks weird, but I always love it. Like they just have this like feather foot kind of thing where they can like levitate and jump and it's, I don't know, it's very... 
Crouching Tiger, if you've seen that, but I don't know. I and I, I and we already touched on it, but like with the uh, with uh, the cameos, I mean, especially like in this part here, it, you kind of kind of take it back for a second. Like I know who that guy is, and I I can't pinpoint it. And then you look at who it, who's in this film, and you're like, oh, that's Gordon. You know, it, it, as a, like like I said. As an old school fan, like this movie, like screams at me and says, "You're gonna love it." And I didn't like know anything about this until you had brought it up to me last. Uh, was it two weeks ago? Right. Yeah. So. Well, and I, I was surprised my, uh, you know, my family to watch it with me, and my daughter Jay, as soon as uh, Jay Chow had popped up, she's like, "Well, that's the guy from the," and, and so. Uh, again, proud dad moment that my yeah. daughter starts recognizing and actresses, <laughs> actors and actresses. But um, yeah, I, you know that they have. Here's my. I'll say this. Here's my biggest complaint about the film, though. You know, we've we've been singing the praise for a few minutes. Um, Michelle Yeoh. All right. When you get Michelle Yeoh in a movie, to me, she is top three actresses of all time. I, I'm in love with Michelle Yeoh. This could be a personal opinion. Um, but you get Michelle Yeoh in a film, she is so radiant, so awesome. You just cannot relegate her to a cameo, in my opinion. She's got to do more. Yeah, you, your respect for her is a little bit higher than I mean, I know where it's coming from, but it didn't bother me as much. <laughs> well, I mean, you see her; she's kind of her first introduction. She's scaling down this mountain. Um, she plays sort of a doctor who ends up, uh, you know, because Vincent Chow gets butt handed to him in the beginning of the film, um, because half of this film is is the revenge story, which is, you know, like you said, it it just harkens back to those Shaw Brothers, uh, you know, kung fu films, and so they've yeah. got this revenge element. But man, I was really hoping for Michelle Yeoh to kind of jump in the fray and do what she does best, because the thing about Michelle Yeoh, if you've ever watched movies like Yes, Madam, um, or uh, just even, you know, most people know her with the Jackie Chan movie Super Cop. She is not only good at kicking ass, but she looks great doing it. Very graceful. And um, I don't know. I just that's my only complaint is, well, yeah. you know, as soon as Michelle Yeoh shows up, I'm thinking, oh, now it's on. This this has now become the greatest film I've seen this year. Uh, but then she she doesn't even throw a punch, man. Yeah, I was going to say uh, she kind of is relegated to just being a witch doctor kind of character. Yeah, I, I just, you know, and I'm just telling you, folks, if if you have not really investigated Michelle Yeoh's filmography, you need to go back. Start with Yes, Madam, Royal Warriors, all the Wing Chun, fantastic <laughs> movie. Heroic Trio. Oh, my God. Go watch Heroic Trio. So I'm, I, I'm digressing. I a, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let me let me reel you back in. So um, this is a 3D film, apparently. Well, um yeah, I, I didn't know this till doing a little bit of research, but when it came out, it was shown in 2D and 3D, and uh, that year it was sort of promoted as the first Chinese 3D film. I, I don't now, know if I really saw that, though. No, it, I was going to say, I have no idea where the 3D was in this movie. I mean, maybe it would be cool to kind of have that depth of field, but I don't know. Did they ever throw, like, throwing knives or anything at the screen? Or I mean, I think there was a little bit in the beginning, maybe. Yeah, I, I think the initial onslaught, because, you know, he leaves the... Uh, uh, Sukhan leaves the, I want to say, the army to go start his um, school of kung fu with his wife and his child. Uh, the two assassins that show up are throwing stuff, and, and there's a lot of good exchanges with kind of things coming at the camera, but I don't know if, um, Oh, the twins. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah. The twin. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think anything really stood out as like, uh, well, you know, you were on the movie matchup show when we did captain America. And one of the things that you had said is you didn't like those elements where you knew that shot was specifically for 3d. Um, whereas this one, I, I couldn't pinpoint any of those shots at all. Just, it really looked like a 2d film and it was shot that way. Yeah, and I guess now that we're on to the, I mean, I guess did they use 3D cameras for it? Because the budget on this movie, I never would have guessed it would have been this high. Like 20 million, I guess, is it's seems huge for for that. Relatively, yeah, yeah it, it just seems mind-boggling that it, that this film costs that much. I, I don't know where they spent all their money, but uh, I don't, I, I don't know. 
well, was, I'm I'm kind of mind boggled that it bombed over there. Yeah, I I mean, to to me, I, this has everything that I I want in a, like a like a kung fu film. Like this is what I mean. What else would you add to this movie to make it better? I don't know. I you know, it's not it's not like the Expendables of kung fu films. You know, because you look at an action movie that came out last year for anybody who's an action fan with Sylvester Stallone, Jet Li, J. You know, you've got all these '80s action stars coming out and making The Expendables, and it's a big hit. Um, to me, True Legend has a little bit of that, where you've got this classic, fantastic, uh, game-changing director with like Yun Wo Ping, and you bring in this cast like Andy On, Jay Chow, Vincent Chow, Gordon Liu. Um, you even get David Carradine, which is one of, you know, this is one of his last roles. Yeah, I was going to say, this has to be one of his last ones, right? Yeah, if, if, I don't know if it was the last, but, it, you know, it was there at the tail end. And like you said, the movie cost $20 million and it was considered a huge box office failure because it only took in $6.82 million. And to me, I don't, I don't understand that because this seemed like it was just a, a callback to everything that made Hong Kong cinema great. I agree. I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't. Sometimes I wish I was like a, a consultant, and they would say, "Hey, we're going to make this movie. It's going to cost twenty million dollars." And I'd be like, "No, you need to cut that probably in half, like, because there's no way this film makes over ten anyway. Right? But to make only six, like, well, almost seven, but still, I mean, that's that's a big that's a big risk for well, such a, you know, a, a niche kind of subject matter." Yeah, and it's a nope. big it's a big problem for their industry because their their own movies, you know, are just not are getting beat by by foreign competition. And you know, it says something too about U.S. movies because you look at something like um, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, this summer, uh-huh. it, it did great over here, but you know, didn't it cross like the one billion dollar mark? Yeah, simply yeah. because of overseas tickets. Yeah, they're and this is kind of a a wor- like a. All their media seems to be going like if you look at uh, their even their video game industry like it is so five to ten years ago like and it seems like their films are having a hard time catching up and then you have a film like this that looks pretty modern um, the effects are great you know the look of it is great they're even trying to boost it up into 3D like they're they're still in the right time frame and it still isn't working and I I don't know. If it's a cultural thing now or what it is, but it, it, it's kind of weird to see kind of their industry of all like media kind of taking a nosedive. Yeah, I mean, I, I do with my my favorite um, films come from Hong Kong and it comes from probably a specific period, 80s to early 90s. And uh, man, watching True Legend, it it really as much as I love this film, it also kind of saddens me. Because there was a time when Hong Kong was cranking this stuff out left and right, and you couldn't keep up with it. And now it, you're lucky to get something like this once every couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and again, like, if I wouldn't have known you, like, I would have a hard time finding this film. Because if you don't have your, like, ear to the ground, then you're going to miss it. I mean, this isn't mainstream and this this film needs all the support it can get because it needs to make back about 14 million dollars <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true well I'll, I'll say this um i i own the blu-ray i was the first one in line when it came out over here and were you the uh, only one in line no you know what i walked into walmart and i saw the blu-ray and dvd i ordered mine from amazon but we were just in walmart one day and and i'm like oh my god they they got true legend um, and, and it just kind of floored me, but this Blu-ray, I'll, I'll tell you this, the Blu-ray disc in and of itself looks beautiful. It's, um, you know, in Mandarin 5.1, uh, it has English stereo. Don't, don't listen to the dub, you know, co-original. <laughs> um, but even the special features, it's got five behind the scenes featurettes, storyboard to scene comparison, music video, international trailers. Um, there's just, I, I'm glad that they released this and they released it with a little bit of meat and not just, you know, bare bones. Um, but if you have a chance to rent this thing on Blu-ray, rent it on Blu-ray. And I, I got to tell you, if you're an action fan, 
and not just kung fu fan, but action fan. This to me is a must own in your collection. Yeah, I, I am probably going to have to have to add this to my collection because, because uh, yeah, it, you I want to support movies like this. Sometimes you're you're like, look, do I need to have this film? Because I'm going to watch it all the time, or do I want to? Because I want more movies like this, and my like, reason is the latter. Like I want to see more movies like this being made. It's only going to be made. It's only going to be made in this one area, and if you don't support it, then I have I can't complain when I don't get to see them. Right. It's also well, and I, I think it's also when you put on and you know you show somebody, oh, hey, man, look at this fight scene. Especially that, you know, the drunken boxing stuff is fantastic. Oh, God, I love it. I love it. Just love it. Yeah, I, and I'll, I, this is the impression I had. That there's the big, big epic battle in the middle of the film. Queen, and it's between, you know, Vincent Chow and uh, Andy On. And I'm sitting there, wow, this was a short movie because short movie because this fight scene is so good and it's something that you find at the end. Yeah, of that's most what I was, I was gonna tell you that too. Like, wow, this movie, like, wow, this movie must just like be an hour because like we're 50 minutes in and they're starting to go at it and it's awesome and I love it, but I'm like, hours. It's almost two hours. I don't know where the rest of the 45 is gonna be after this is what it's gonna be and um, that might be my complaint is is uh, is it kind of throws you for a loop. And I don't know if I was exactly ready for it, but it, yeah, it it does kind of switch gears in the middle. Yeah, yeah. And it does feel a little bit like two films in one. Um, but if if you know sort of the quote unquote um, story of the legendary beggars, uh, and and I do like how they did the chapters. I mean, it's supposed to be the the story of this how. This ex, you know, general that eventually becomes the king of beggars. I guess the framework makes sense. As great as that middle fight scene is, I guess you're just used to having that kind of epicness at the end. And don't get me wrong, the end fight scene, I think, is even better than the middle one. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's why I'm not complaining. I'm yeah. not complaining because you have him going up against wrestlers, you know. It's, yeah, MMA, it's, MMA style kind yeah, of uh, – yeah. Oh, was, yeah. cannot recommend this one enough. Um, I and I will say that the and most of the time I don't like kid actors, and I didn't like the kid actor in this film either. He was especially when they showed him kind of grow up a little bit. Right. Oh my god. Oh yeah. My <laughs> the terrible, terrible. Hong Kong movies tend to be a little bit melodramatic in comparison to uh, to I think American films, which I think can be off putting to some people. But I think that's more apparent than anything when you see child actors in Hong Kong films. They just – they grate on your nerves, man. Yeah. And I, I don't know. And I, I also just love like the, their obsession with wine. Like I love their obsession with wine. Well, we know why you love their obsession with I, wine. <laughs> it justifies I'm, your own problem. <laughs> because I'm fancy and I drink wine. Mm. Yeah. Um, so any final thoughts on True Legend? Uh and I'll just be I'll just throw it out there and say as blunt as I can, this movie's fucking awesome. <laughs> I agree and concur with you, sir, one hundred percent. You cannot go wrong by sitting down to watching True Legend. And again, it's just a fun movie. It is it is a great kung fu movie in the in the pure sense. Um well, are you ready for round two? I know I am. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Bodyguards and Assassins from 2009, starring Donnie Yen and directed by Teddy Chan. And I'm as, I'm, as much as I was excited about talking with you, Brad, about True Legend, I'm really excited about talking about Bodyguards and Assassins with you. I know, because it's Donnie Yen, I know. I, I love Donnie Yen, so uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Are you serious? Podcast bestoftheleft.com. Linoleum knife. 35 millimeter hero. Chinstroke versus Pencer. Family movie night. Bloody good horror. Skills on film radio. Night of the Living Podcast. Mail order zombie. Outside the cinema. Popcorn mafia. Perhaps you'd be interested in Gleecast. First time caller podcast. Showshow.podomatic.com. The David Pakman Show. Hardcore <laughs> 
gentle listeners. I'm Fozzie Bear. There are a lot of podcasts out there, and it's impossible to listen to them all. That's where the Podcast Podcast comes in. On the Podcast Podcast, we have very special guests from some of the best shows on iTunes, covering everything from movies to television to literature to pop culture and politics. On the Podcast Podcast, you can listen to these guests and decide if you should check out their show or keep on moving. Find us in the iTunes store by searching for me, Fozzie Bear. That's F-O-Z-Z-I-E-B-A-R-E. Welcome back to Movie Matchup, The Pretension. I should call this the Chopsaki edition, I guess. Um, we're getting ready to get into 2009's Bodyguards and Assassins. Um, let's first talk about Donnie Yen. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how, how long is this going to take before we mention Donnie Yen? Uh, and... No, no, let's just go right into Donnie Yen. Uh, yeah. Okay, so we got your thoughts, uh, Mr. Internet Guru of all film, on uh, Yun Woping. What 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 do you know about Donnie Yen? I mean, you're a fan. Is he just okay? Seen many of his movies. I mean, I can't really say that I'm not a fan and be speaking with you right now because I know um, just oh, there, how much there'd be a swift kick in the head if you say anything wrong about Donnie Yen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, It Man, It Man Two, Hero, Blade Two, again Iron Monkey. Like, yeah, I mean, I I appreciate him. Um, do I appreciate him on the level that you have? Uh, probably not. But, uh, yeah, I, I – and I – when you said he was in this movie, I was like, oh, he's going to be like the main character. It's going to be all about him. And, I mean, it's, it's not really. And right. It's, that's kind of cool that he, like, kind of took kind of a backseat to this other story that's going on. And Well, it's a but, true ensemble piece in comparison to what – because if, if you look at a lot of his filmography – um, I think the most recent thing that got released over here from Hong Kong was Legend of the Fist, The Return of Chen Zhen. Um, that's an okay movie. It, it's not great. I can't totally defend that one. Donnie Yen is good in it, but it's very bloated. Uh, but Ip Man, Ip Man 2, um, you know, you go back to some of his older movies like uh, Legend of the Wolf or Ballistic Kiss. I think he directed those two or at least one of them. Um, but I, I've just, I've always been a fan of Donnie Yen, even though he does, you know, a lot of cranking, you know, what, what do they call it? Under crank with the, with some of the fight choreography to make it look faster. Yeah. Even when they don't do that, I think the guy is just <clears throat> lightning in a bottle and I would point to a movie, um, flashpoint. Have you seen that one? I have seen that. Okay. That final fight scene where it's not really kung fu, but it really is sort of MMA-style fighting um, with him throwing this guy around, doing arm locks, wrist throws. There's punching and kicking in there, too, but it is very brutal, realistic fighting. Um, I think that just shows how adaptable Donnie Yen is a martial artist, and I should say screen martial artist. I mean, Let, me, uh, let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Sure. I want you to defend Highlander Endgame. I want you to do it. Go ahead. The the problem with Highlander in game <laughs> is um, it's a terrible movie, and he wasn't in it very much. <laughs> I re I remember the scene like where he dies, he like jumps up on a table or something, and some guy cuts his head off, and I'm like, man, Donnie Yen would never ever go out like that, ever ever ever. But I was excited okay. about seeing him in uh, Blade Two. I mean, with you know Del Toro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, why don't you uh, kind of synopsize for me? And uh, we'll get on to the discussion. Okay. Well, um, I got to no. get you off your Donnie Yen horse before <laughs> you keep riding it. Okay. Uh, well, real quick, um, Bodyguards and Assassins, directed by Teddy Chan. Uh, it came out in 2009. It stars Donnie Yen, uh, Wang Zhuki, Nicholas uh, Tse, <laughs> uh, Leon Lai, Tony Longcarfe, Simon Yan, Jackie Chung, and Eric Tsang. And basically, Bodyguards and Assassins is a gripping martial arts blockbuster set in the bustling metropolis of Hong Kong in 1905. The revolutionary movement has spread throughout China, but the corrupt Qing dynasty will do... You know, I'm probably not saying that right. King? Queen? I can't remember. I can say some names, but anyway, all right. Anyways, but the, the corrupt whatever dynasty will do anything to hold on to its power. As Sun Yat-sen prepares for a historic meeting that will shape the future of the country a motley crew of men and women are entrusted to protect him from a group of deadly assassins who will stop at nothing to kill him 
All right, Brad, what do you think? Um, again, I, I like this movie, but for a totally different set of reasons. Like, I love period pieces, and I love politics, and I love revolution, and I love and I love strong characters, and all this film has all that, and like. You know, sometimes I have a hard time really to really to really be moved by certain scenes, and there was nothing in this movie that I felt like ah well, well, well. Good acting is universal, and that's what this movie has. I mean, this this is a. a true less, I mean, true less. I mean, true less. I mean. True Legend is a great movie um, for one set of reasons. Um, if you kind of flip it over, you get this film. Still has great action, but the story is leaps and bounds better than True Legend. Uh, I agree with you. And um, the acting, I want to talk about that for a second. There is not, in my opinion, bad, bad performance in this film. This I, yeah, I totally agree. This totally. this film is very much an ensemble piece. There are so many characters going in and out of the story, and it's a very complex story because it's talking about um, basically Sun Yat-sen is is coming from Japan to basically bring all of these leaders together to start these revolutions at the beginning of 1900s to basically topple you know China's regime. And you have all of these characters going in and out. And they have different motives and reasons for taking one side or the highlight. But the highlight of this film, in my opinion, I, 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 I'm sorry. I love you, Donnie Yen. You are amazing in this film. But uh, uh, Wang Zhuqi, who plays the father, who, oh, who, who oh. is giving money to the revolution, and he's yeah. trying to keep his son out, is a, is a scene stealer in this film. And there are things... Uh, like you said, I, I have a disconnect too sometimes of the drama where you kind of go, well, I don't, I'm reading the subtitle and I'm missing what they're really emoting on screen. But oh my God, this guy was so good in this film. Yeah, I, I, to- I agree and totally agree. And like, I'm waiting for, you know, Quentin Tarantino to do another, you know, old school Hong Kong fucking get this guy to be one of the main characters because like, he was fantastic, and every time he was on screen, like he just had a presence, and he didn't speak a lot, but when he did, like it was always like profound and important, and he was oh, he was just so good, and and I even got to say like his son, like I felt for his son, and everybody, like even like the most minute characters, like the rickshaw guy, like right, oh yeah, it, it just. Oh, I mean, this is a movie about, I mean, this is a character study piece, and it it is fantastically done. Like, I, I, when I said, when you say bodyguards and assassins, you don't think great acting. You think, well, there's going to be some fighting and, and some bodyguards and assassins and, you know, but no, this story is powerful and it's, it's done way better than I ever would have imagined. Yeah, I, I had read um, before I'd seen this, you know, it was kind of always on the radar. Uh, and I'd heard some complaints about it that you you read a couple of reviews and they say, well, you know, it they promote it as Donnie Yen starring in it. And if you see Donnie Yen films, they are very action heavy and they should be. I mean, the guy's amazing. Um, but it was strange to see him go into this as sort of an ensemble player, not really the star. And, um, that, I wouldn't even say he's like, I mean, he might be fourth or fifth on like the like character list. Like, yeah, he's and, gone on down there a little bit too. And, and when he's on, he doesn't play the suave Donnie Yen that I think a lot of people are accustomed to. You know, he's he's kind of working for the other side there for most of the movie and is struggling with his, with his conscience. Conscious, conscience. There we go. Conscience. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Use but, your uh, words. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just I had always heard a, a big complaint. It was very story heavy, and the action didn't come in to the end, and the the action at the end was good. But I don't know. This this is a a fantastic movie for me because a lot of problems I have with action films is you see people putting themselves into danger 
but there's no consequence or what, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. There's sort of an emotional disconnect. And for me, the best action films, I don't care, you know, American, Chinese, French, whatever, are always the ones where tension is building and you get to the action. But when the action occurs, it means something. Yeah, and and you always characters always had a motivation that was bigger than what was going on, and they and everyone always knew that like what we're doing here is for the greater good of everyone else. And again, a, a lot of themes in these films is like sacrifice and being loyal, and you know they always they always stress that. And in this film, there's you know people are willing to sacrifice themselves for. You know, Hong Kong as a as a country. You know, it. I mean, no, I, that, I don't know. That's true. It's yeah. this this their cinema, and I think this is a good example. Is very idealistic, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, definitely. Because you even look at the John Woo stuff, like Better Tomorrow. Um, you know the the. I don't yeah, know. The line everywhere. Well, yeah, but I mean, you look at you look at people who put themselves on the line because of the relationships they have with other people. Um, and a code. I mean, we're talking um, – what, what's so cool about this is, you know, we talked about 13 assassins and you have a group of men who are honoring this samurai code. You know, with Hong Kong, you have a almost a code of violence um, or a code of responsibility or a code of idealism. You know, this, this movie is more about the idealism behind their actions. Uh, and I guess that's why I like Asian cinema so much. Not that – it just seems like American action films miss that element. You just want to see shit blow up real good and, you know... Well, people, people use it to, like... They use the action genre as, like, oh, I just want to go and turn off my brain and, and see some cool stuff. And we get Transformers. You know, like, that's the greatest action film of all time from what the commercial says. And, no, I mean, it's we all know it's bullshit, but, you know, that's what it's being sold to us as. Yeah, I mean, it looks pretty, and there are some great scenes in it, but... I don't know. I, I don't. To me, I can go back and watch something like Bodyguards and Assassins, and uh, it feels like a movie. And I don't. This I I don't know. I, I always feel embarrassed over some of the movies I, I like. <laughs> um, you know, we just got done on the other movie matchup talking about Killer Elite and Shoot 'Em Up, and um, I really defended Shoot 'Em Up. I think it's a fantastic film. To me, it's it's a it's a Looney Tunes cartoon. I mean, hell, Paul Giamatti looks like Elmer Fudd. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, but it's got Giamatti in it. Like, I, I there's not a whole lot of movies I don't like that, that Giamatti does. So. Yeah, but, I mean, it's action for action's sake, and it's fun to watch. And, you know, true that's less, also satire, too. Like, there's a little, I mean... It, it is, but when you look at most American action films, aren't they satirical in nature? I mean, look at all the Arnold, Schwar- Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff. Yeah. There's, there's always a wink. There's always a don't take this too seriously. And it seems like any time our action movies get serious um, and nothing against something like the Bourne series, you know, Bourne Ultimatum, th- those are great films. Don't get me wrong. But the Bourne series doesn't have the emotional impact that Bodyguards and Assassins does for me. Yeah, I, I would agree. But the subject matter is different. I mean well- – What's what's a good American film then that you think would be the equivalent to Bodyguards and Assassins that has and here's the key that has such an emphasis on action? Uh, Gladiator. Okay, I'll give you that. Okay, <laughs> that's a good one. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean that's kind of what it, when I, I mean, and there's kind of some shots that are like Gladiator in this film. You know, they show like the old architecture. Um, they kind of do their best to kind of definitely show that this that Hong Kong is this what it looks like in 1905. But then they get down into the streets and show you, you know, you get the microscopic view and then it goes in microscopically as well. And that's kind of how they did it in, in Gladiator. Um, is glad? Do you think Gladiators from a public's eye is seen more as an action film or a drama? Oh, action. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, people always remember. You know, the two swords where he cuts the guy's heads off and the lions and yeah. And yeah, I definitely think that people would think of it as an action film. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Bodyguards and Assassins um, was a huge hit. Uh, the fourth 
Asian Film Awards, the movie won Best Actor for uh, Wang Zuki, Best Supporting Actor for Nicholas Tsai. At the 29th Hong Kong Film Awards, the movie won Best Film, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Makeup Design, Best Action Choreography, and Best Original Film Score. You think it deserved all of those accolades? Uh, definitely. I, I, I would... I... You know, I don't know what else was nominated, and I have nothing to compare it to. But um, when when you have to look for something um, bad in a film, and you say, "Well, the blood was a little bit off," and that's about as far as you can go, you know, you're kind of working with something that's pretty good. What, well, let's. This movie is very similar to Thirteen Assassins, I think, in that um, Thirteen Assassins was a buildup to sort of an epic sequence and bodyguards and assassins has the same type of framework where you really get the intricacies of this revolution and what's at stake. And then would you, would you, would you say the last 45 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, um, and we, this is a good comparison with 13 assassins. Um, I like the subject matter here more. It felt like there was more weight. So maybe I felt like, the buildup wasn't as long, even though I think the buildup in this one is actually timeline and like with time frame is actually longer, like in actual time. Um, but it felt quicker to me because I always felt like you had this this arrival of this of uh, son coming in, not the actual son, the guy's name, in. Right. Um, they're planning, and it just felt like this one had a quicker pace to that eventual last, you know, forty-five minutes, as we say. Yeah, and it and it does do a countdown as far as yeah, so many like days before days. Sun Yat Sun yeah. arrives. And um, what, what you you mentioned the uh, rickshaw uh, characters within the film, that huge gangly tall. I mean, he looked like Charlie. Let's face it. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Shaolin. Guy. Yeah, the the monk. Um, yeah. he's like seven foot or something. Yeah. What a fantastic character. The Asian Charlie. Asian Charlie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope he listens. He won't <laughs> listen to this because we're talking about two Asian films. But yeah. Um, man, I just there were so many characters in this film like that one that were so unique and. Uh, but even like you know, and then the other rickshaw guys like. He was like in the Shaolin, and they were just like, "Oh, tell us your story," you know. And then you could get this like, this you just felt this connection with they had. And he was like, "Hey, I'm getting married. Like, I want you to be there." And it's just like, you know, these guys are coming together for a bigger picture, but they still have time to like build these bonds. And, and when things happen to these characters, you you feel bad for them, but you also know the other characters feel bad for them as well. Sure. Well, and I I don't know. I everybody. What I was kind of worried about going into the, like the last 45 minutes is you spend a good majority of this film with all these different characters. And so as the action starts to unfold, I really thought that all of these characters that you got to know and like were going to start to be shortchanged. But that doesn't happen. I mean, I got to give this to director Teddy Chan to handle those many storylines and those many characters and to make each one, I don't know, each story of that character actually come to a fulfilling conclusion, I think is some talented filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. And even have the, the, uh, the bond, like the beggar who turns out to be like the ultimate uh, badass. Yeah. Badass. Like seeing, like you knew, you know, he apparently lost his wife and like, again, he was ready to die so he could go be with them again. And, and he makes his presence felt for a, a while and he, meets his demise but like he was okay with that like the death part is sometimes uh, better than living i guess from the way some people act in in these films sure and i don't know i guess that made his even portion of the story that much more impactful because you know his history leading up to that and even his relationship to the other characters uh and then, I, man, he he was impressive. I mean, the whole fan sequence, um, and it and it very, uh, I don't know, it, it reminded me of um, Thirteen Assassins too, with yeah. the uh, the one guy who the samurai with the student is in that um, 
I don't know, that alleyway. And then he has all those samurai swords, you know, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And, and he takes all those guys out. This had a very similar sequence with that beggar where you've got, you know, these 20 some odd guys in an alleyway and the beggar just goes to town on all of them. Yeah, I, there's there's a lot of standout parts, but there's also, I mean, you know, the, you have your set pieces and stuff, but again, you know, it still comes down to whether or not you care. And I ultimately, you know, A, wanted them to succeed, um, and B, like, was kind of curious about, you know, who was going to make it and who wasn't. And, and I got to tell you, that last little bit, where the sun? Uh, hey, don't spoil it. I, I will probably okay. spoil a lot of films, but okay. um, I got a feeling a lot of people haven't discovered this one yet. Okay. And um, I'm with you. That that last sequence is uh oh wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's you know it. I do find it you know, it, and it's always weird how guns always play like in these. A lot of these, even like with, you know, uh, 13 Assassins, you know, there's this use of guns along with the old school as well. So it's like, it's like, always like, they show kind of the past, kind of, they also show kind of the future as well. I mean, I don't, a lot, and it happens a lot, it seems like. Right. Um, So. Well, um, final thoughts on Bodyguards and Assassins, Brad. You know, um, when I initially was looking at this film, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be pretty, uh, pretty cool." I'm, I'm excited to see this, and uh, because we had a little bit of extra time, I've actually watched this film probably two and a half times. I watched it one time and was like, "Wow, that was really good," and you know, you know to turn it on again and watch it again uh, says a lot. You know, and you know, especially when I could be playing Gears of War three, I decided to watch. <laughs> Watch this again, and I was uh, I say I was uh, completely blown away. Um, this is as a as a foreign film or just as a film in general, you you don't get quality quality like this, and and this is like the Ocean's Eleven of you know drama basically. Right. And you have all these characters, and you have all all of them kind of coming in this and putting on this dramatic revolutionary revolution revolutionary as in like the content not you know because it's revolutionary but it, i don't know i don't know i just enjoyed this film immensely i'm with you um i kind of went in expecting and i i had read initially you know everybody's saying well it's very story heavy in the beginning but then the action is fantastic at the end and i hear a comment like that that usually translates for a little bit and bored for a little bit until, you know, Donnie N starts kicking some heads in within the first 10, 15, within the first 10, 15 minutes, I just felt myself getting drawn in more and more and more to what was going on. And for me, I was just totally blown away. I was going to down thinking I was going to watch probably something like true legend. Um, very much a throwback, but action, um, action focused. And this film just kind of, came in my mind, storytelling in my mind that had happened to have some great action sequences in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we haven't, we really didn't even touch on the action, but it's kind of second secondary. It yeah. is. And, but when it happens, it's, it's, I, to me, it's just as good as true legend. Oh yeah. I mean, and it's, it's brutal. I oh mean, yeah. These fights, it's these, I, I would say some of these fights are more brutal than the ones that are in true legend. I mean, they they have an impact that in a weight, you know that fight with Donnie Yen and the the one guy. I mean, they're the punches and just the weight like that it. they carry. Yeah. yeah oh, it looked, it was hurting me watching it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I was I was totally taken aback by this film uh, with how good it was. Um. In both movies, I don't know how you feel with this, but uh, both of these films make me want to go back and rewatch my Hong Kong collection, like every Hong Kong film, because I'm just now stoked about this. Um, and I want to go back and watch more, you know, older Donnie Yen films, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Gordon Liu. I, I'm really craving to watch, you know, 36 Chambers right now. <laughs> oh, now you're speaking my language, Troy. Yeah, but um, you know what time it is, Brad. I do.
It's time for a matchup. Now, why doesn't somebody pull off 45 and bang, settle it? Okay. We've got Yunwo Ping's True Legend versus Teddy Chan's Bodyguards and Assassins. I'm going to kick this over to you, Brad. And the big question is, in a matchup between Donnie Yen <laughs> versus Vincent Sao and, and Michelle Yeoh, which one is the victor? Well, um, as much as I like True Legend, um, and as much as it harkens back to, to my love of old school, if I'm going to pick the better film... It doesn't really even come close. Um, Bodyguards and Assassins is a much better film. Um, there are some cool sequences in True, uh, True Legend. Um, the opening fight scene is amazing in that movie, but the overall story and acting and pretty much everything else goes to uh, Bodyguards and Assassins. And that's not saying that, that, that True Legend is a bad movie. It's not. It's just... It's, you know, it's going up against probably one of the better movies I've seen in a long time. So, you know, it, it really, you know, if this, you know, if True Legend was going up against anything else, it probably would have won. But it, it, it happened to pick the short straw and had to go up against, you know, one of the better films to come out of Hong Kong in probably, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. I mean, it's one of the better ones I've seen. So, um, Bodyguards and Assassins for the win. For the win. This one's a tough one for me. I, I love them both, and I've been so excited to sit down and just discover them. You know, I'm with you though. Bodyguards and Assassins for the win. True Legend is a fantastic film. It's a fantastic kung fu film. Uh, I think if you have never seen a Yun Wu Ping film, you should start with True Legend. Oh, definitely. And, I think it's his his most um, accessible film. Sure. And then, you know, from there, go back through his filmography and, and discover a lot of stuff. As far as the movie that maybe hit me in the gut hardest and had the, the heaviest punch, I got to go with Bodyguards and Assassins. It is an amazing film and it yeah, really but, sucks you in. But you can't, I mean, if you see either one of them, you're, you're winning, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's a win. Yeah. Um, now, here's the big question between these two films. This, now I'm curious about your pick on this. Which action sequence is the best? Oh, the one in True Legend. The first part is well, actually, you know what? I like the fight scene between uh, the brothers in True Legend um, a lot, a lot, a lot. I mean, it gets pretty down and dirty with like tearing pieces of armor off a guy, and yeah, I gotta say that's probably my favorite. I'm gonna pick. The action sequence with Donnie Yen and Bodyguards and Assassins. Imagine that. Yes, but no. I mean, he's he's standing in sort of this um, this street uh, with all these people, and this guy is coming at him, throwing and knocking these people around. And I mean, I got scared for Donnie Yen. And that whole exchange was not only just good kung fu, but like you said when we were talking about Bodyguards and Assassins, it's brutal. Yeah. And they do – Donnie Yen does some just freaking amazing things in that. And uh, I love way to, way to play right into the stereotype there, buddy. What? What stereotype? Of, of your love. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just amazing. Granted, I know. True Legend, um, if I had to pick my favorite sequence out of True Legend, it probably would be the sequence when he's discovering drunken boxing. I yeah. think that was a lot of fun to watch. Second to that would be the scene that you picked. Um, you know, that middle sequence between the two brothers. But um, I think, you know, when you see that Bodyguards and Assassins won that year for Best Action Choreography, it won that year because of that sequence. That sequence was amazing. And it had Donnie Yen, and I love Donnie Yen. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, um, hey, I agree with you. If you pick any of these films up uh, to watch True Legend or Bodyguards and Assassins, it's a win. I mean, they're fantastic movies. I'm excited about Asian Cinema again. Especially Hong Kong films. I don't know how you feel. No, oh, yeah, I've always been, you know, you give me, you know, old school Hong Kong films, I'm fine. The new school, I'm not so much. But yeah, now after this, I'm like, all right, like I could definitely, if there's more films like Bodyguards and Assassins, sign me up. But I, I, I want to probably think that's there's few and far between with the quality of that. 
We'll see. Um, Jackie Chan's new movie, 1911, actually deals with um, a little bit of the same storyline as Bodyguards and Assassins about you know that revolution um, that's kind of started or takes shape in 1905. So I'm really curious about that one. And then hitting stateside here, I think in October is uh, Shaolin. Another, you know, Jackie Chan has a part in that. I'm telling you right now, Brad, if we're doing the pretension, anytime a Jackie Chan movie hits, we're we're just we're gonna review it because it's, okay. it's Jackie fucking Chan. He's he's the most amazing person ever. Uh, I don't know who you love more. <laughs> oh, it's Jackie. It's Jackie all the way. Jackie's uh, my favorite actor, favorite every director. I mean, I love Jackie Chan. <laughs> um, okay. But next month is what, Brad? Uh oh, Halloween. It's our spooktacular um, reviews, right? Um, yeah. I don't think we've came up with a, a particular name yet, but do we want to go ahead and announce the lineup? We don't know what particular order they'll be in, maybe one of them, but do we want to talk about what we've decided already? Um, we'll kind of give a little preview. Um, I think you have the list. I don't have it in front of me, so I'll, I'll kind of let you uh, go ahead with that. Well, how about we hint at a couple of things? Okay. Okay, so – we are going to bring one of my favorite directors, and I don't know how you feel about him, Dario Argento, into the mix. We're probably, you know, most people, just even lately, The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema reviewed Profondo Rosso, which is Deep Red. And um, we're probably going to pick something a little less mainstream, Dario, because everybody talks about Suspiria or Deep Red or Bird with a Crystal Plumage. Or Bird with a crystal plumage. So we're going to pick a, a different Dario film, and we're going to try and match that up with something from Japan. Yeah. And then I think, and you came up with this idea. It was fantastic. Go uh, old school, black and white, silent German expressionist cinema. <laughs> yes. If you don't know what we're talking about, then uh, that's a pretty big clue right there. Yeah. But. And we're going to, we're going to match that up with, um, Probably one of the best performances in uh, dramatic horror. I, I guess that's how I phrase that film, dramatic horror. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then we have another week of um, crazy bitch cinema. <laughs> yes, that's that's a great way to put it. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna pick two movies that have some of the scariest females in them, and uh, one of them comes from the very scary country of France. Another one comes from the uh, pretty cool country of Japan. And then for the week of Halloween, we have a very special show, and that one's going to be about sequels. We are going to take an iconic, iconic franchise from the U.S. and talk about number two in that franchise. And we're going to take an iconic franchise from Japan and talk about number two from that franchise. Yeah, and we're actually going to have guests uh, next month. So. We we are lining up some guests. Don't want to announce that either. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be cool if it all comes together. So um, so look forward to that. And uh, I'm really excited about the lineup we chose because it's all over the place. I got to tell you, each week is extremely different, and and I'm sure we're going to have some lively discussions too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not that I don't like. Uh you know, Hong Kong and Japan and all that stuff. But I'm kind of glad that we can kind of branch out a little bit more because um, you can't just be, uh, you know, biased to one region. You have to be pretentious all over the globe. Yes, but we can all agree that Jackie Chan makes the greatest movies ever, right? Oh, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> good man, good man. Yeah. Well, um, What was I, that one movie he was in, like Around the World in 80 Days? With Steve Coogan. Amazing yeah. film. Sure Amazing. Was. The suit or the tuxedo or whatever. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yes. Amazing film. Of course. He hasn't, he's never done a bad movie. I don't want to hear yeah. it. Cannonball Run. Amazing with him and Burt Reynolds. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, um, I don't know, Brad. I've, I've had a lot of fun tonight talking about True Legend and Bodyguards Assassins. Yeah, and again, you can't go wrong with uh, either one of them. So if you run across, if you have a chance to see either or, I'm see both, but you know you're gonna be perfectly fine seeing one. So enjoy. Definitely. Yeah, I, I would encourage you all to see it. And if you do see both of them and you want to share your thoughts, uh, please send us an email at moviematchup at gmail .com. You know, send us a letter, uh, send us an audio audio file. We'll play that too. Um, 
Hey, I think uh, I think the best way to get it on our show is on the subject line. Just write pretension on it, and that way we know it's for us. Well, Charlie doesn't like to read. Oh, okay. So okay. <laughs> you can send something to email, and it'll be you or I reading it. So okay. <laughs> just kidding. We love you, Charlie. We love you. We do. Um, hey, if they want to follow the cool cat Brad on Twitter, how do they do that? Uh, that would be at Inglorious Brad, Inglorious like Inglorious Bastards. Awesome. And uh, to find me, you can follow at Yen Chan. That's Y E N for Donnie Yen and C H A N for Jackie Chan. Go figure, huh? Isn't it Yen Chan Troy? Oh, yeah, it is Yen Chan Troy. Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, thank you for correcting my own Twitter handle. <laughs> that's fine. And uh, of course, you can find this show and numerous other shows on uh, reboundradio.com, which just got uh, a redesign and. Uh, I've actually heard from quite a few people, and they say they really like it, so I'm, I'm kind of thrilled. Awesome. Yes, please head on over to reboundradio.com. Uh, check out our other version of Movie Matchup with me and Charlie. Also check out Brad and Charlie with Good Day, Sir. That's a fantastic podcast. When and, you do it. Yeah, when you do it. Yeah, true. Um, I guess with that, it's time to sign off. All right, man. Well, it was fun talking to you. We'll do it again next week. Sounds great when we uh, hit spooktacular October. So um, please, again, send us your feedback comments. Spooktober. Spooktober. Ooh, that was good. Did you just do that on the fly? I did. That's awesome. Witty. Awesome. All That's right, what folks. happens when you wear a top hat. <laughs> you're wearing a top hat right now? Yeah. You can't be fancy without a top hat. Damn, you're classy, son. All right, folks. We're going to sign off. See you at the movies. Goodbye.